Welcome to Anecdotally Speaking, a podcast to help you build your business story repertoire. Hi, everyone. I'm Sean Callahan, And I'm Mark Shank. And for those of you who are interested in attending one of our workshops, Story Powered Sales or Storytelling Pluters, you'll be happy to know that we've uh, scheduled some uh, public workshops in the week commencing 8 June. And so you'll be able to attend the, the, the time zones are set up for whatever part of the world you're in. And so if you're interested, our website's www.anecdote.com forward slash events. You can go there and find the times that work for you and all the registration information. Yeah, and of course, this is the first time we're doing our public workshops as online events, Mark. Yep. Pretty, pretty cool, eh? So, you know, we, we would do a lot of traveling to actually get to this point, you know, usually around the world where we do these uh, different programs. But uh, now anyone in the world, anyone who's listening in, comes to our website, they can actually experience uh, our new virtual instructor-led programs. So anyway, that's pretty cool. We're pretty excited by that. But we should get into the show, right, Mark? Shall we jump uh, in? Sure. Why well, okay. okay. Why not? Why now, not? Let's I believe, we, I believe uh, you, you've got the story this week. And uh, so I'm just going to throw it to you and we'll have a chat about it afterwards. Okay, so uh, this is an example of being wary of conventional thinking. 1983, the Westfield Group, which is a, a, a large mall company, and they have shopping malls, decided that they were going to sponsor an ultramarathon. And in fact, they did for about 10 years. And, and the ultramarathon, a long distance running event, and it was from Sydney to Melbourne. 875 kilometers or 544 miles, 21 marathons. It is back to back. 20. So 21. So it was a $10,000 prize. And so runners from all over the world gathered for this event, uh, running from Sydney to Melbourne. And, you know, you picked your ultra marathoner, you know, there are 20, 30, sometimes 40 year olds, but super fit athletes. These are, you know, peak performance endurance athletes and of course they've got the latest gear you know the best shoes i'm not sure you could get you know air jordans for uh, for uh, ultra marathons back then but the um, they were they were very well kitted out but there was an oddball in the field and his name was cliff young and he was a 61 year old potato farmer from uh, country victoria and he's a bit of a dag um he turned Didn't have latex uh, gear it, or anything it, like that. There was no lycra. Lycra, I should say. Not latex. <laughs> latex is not a good idea. It's a different thing. It's going to be a bit warm. Lycra. Let's yeah, go for lycra. Thing. Yeah. Lycra. Uh, There's definitely no lycra. He had, a, he had a baggy old pair of tracksuit pants, a scungy pair of runners, and, and an old singlet, an old white working man singlet. And uh, with, with the number, of course, where, with his race number attached to it. Right. And so he, he set off with the other runners, but... Cliff had, he didn't, it was very interesting. He didn't run so much as shuffle. In fact, it's, people would call it the Cliff Young shuffle. And he would just kind of shuffle his feet along. The other runners would, you know, run gracefully. He, like, seriously, he did not look like a runner. He didn't look like he would make it 10 kilometers, let alone uh, 875 kilometers. At the end of the first day, not surprisingly, Cliff is over six kilometers behind, like he's dead last. Right. Yeah, six kilometers behind the next. Um, 
And the, the conventional wisdom, you, how you run an ultra marathon is you run for 18 hours, you know, with breaks and your support crew giving you gels and I don't know what they had gels then, but you know, food and, and drink. And then you, you rested for six hours and then you start off again, 18 hours. Right. So that was, that was the belief. And so, you know, everyone's got their schedule and Cliff, uh, goes to bed at midnight on the first night and intending to sleep for five hours, get up, have a bit of food and be on the road by 6am. Yeah. And he, his, his support crew, and that's even that is uh, an over, you know, like that is not a correct term for them. Yeah. You know, his mate who is driving the van. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, he didn't have his glasses on when he set the alarm. And so instead of setting an alarm for 5am, he set the alarm for 2am. So Cliff goes to sleep at midnight, collapses into a deep sleep. The alarm goes off. He gets up, puts his shoes on and starts running and kept running. And after a while, he, his mate told him, hey, he goes, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. And he just kept running. Of course, he was running at about just over six kilometers an hour. So by 3am, he's caught up. And, uh, you know, by 6am, he's at the front of the pack. And he runs until midnight and grabs another couple of hours sleep and then keeps going. Now, the other runners, they closed the gap significantly during the day, did their routine, you know, the six hours rest, etc. Because they knew that Cliff couldn't keep going. They knew that he was just going to break down. And uh, so they didn't change the schedule. They just kept going, doing what they were doing. And of course, Cliff didn't stop. He just kept going two hours a night and he won by over 10 hours. He right? said, a, he set a new race record. Only two people since after Cliff beat that, beat that record. Is that right? <laughs> and 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 this is a guy who did not run so much as shuffle and uh, when he was uh, one of the interesting for me part of this story is the third place getter after the race was interviewed he said it wasn't until somebody told me that uh, cliff young had finished the race and crossed the finish line it was not until then that i didn't think i could win like I knew that he was just going to break down and I could, you know, my, um, uh, I changed my schedule right at the end, but it was too late. And so it's a great example of the, everyone, you know, the conventional wisdom was you do it this way and they did it that way. An accident happened and Cliff didn't do it that way. And this most unlikely uh, guy, and he became a folk hero, of course. It was just amazing. There was 5,000 people at the finish line. To, yeah, it would to, have built up over that uh, five exactly. days. Exactly. People yeah, are going, right. uh, I can't possibly. <laughs> I actually yeah, remember so it. I remember the, the footage. I'm here. Him yep, shuffling I remember along. The, it was over all the news channels and yep. there he is shuffling along. has a very Forrest Gump feel about it, doesn't it? Uh, it, it, does. <laughs> <laughs> it does. Okay, let's, let's talk about uh, what we like about this story, right? And, uh, yeah, the things that really stand out for us. For you, Mark, what are the, some of the things that... Uh, you particularly think make this story work? Well, one of the things that I really liked about it is that Cliff is such an, an odd guy to be doing an ultra marathon. He just did not look the part in any way, shape or form. Not the way he was dressed, not the way he ran, not the way he carried himself. He's kind of this, this dweeby hunched over kind of 61 year old guy. That's for me is one of the really interesting things about it. And, and of course, I can picture him in my mind and I'm um, one of the challenges in that telling that story is kind of getting that picture uh, enough out there 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I thought, you know, talking about, you know, the white uh, singlet, you know, the everyman sort of worker singlet, the uh, tracky dacks, uh, all that sort of stuff, I think helps paint that picture, which, which helps that story enormously. I think the other thing is just the, the figures that you put in there about the, the length of the race and how many marathons that is. And you start to get a pretty good idea that this is a phenomenal feat right, just to be able to do a, a, an ultramarathon. Um, so I think that makes the story interesting. It's not an ordinary thing. You know, you've got these peculiar things coming together, like this massive race, this unusual fellow who's going to run in that race, etc. cetera. Um, so that makes for a great story. And the best bit for this, I reckon, is just the response of the other runners, you know, like they do not change their plan. Isn't that amazing? You know, like there is someone clearly beating you, right? He's doing something different, remarkably different. He's only getting two hours sleep. Everyone else is taking the five and he's winning. And this is all about time. The whole thing is about time. Yet they're not going, Jesus, maybe we should uh, knock off a few hours of sleep. But it just, it is, I find that really quite remarkable. Yeah. And of course, they, oh yeah, they, they were looking at him and they're going, he can't win. He, he does not look like the guy who can win this. Yeah. And so uh, he was very unassuming. And, and so uh, a lot of underestimation. Yeah. And I think this is, um, you know, just talking about some of the uses for this story, right? Um, and that is just that whole area of assumptions you make about people. So you could easily use this story as a way to talk about, hey, we just can't assume just by what someone, what someone looks like, their background, their characteristics, the, the demographics associated with them. You know, we can't assume that's going to be their, uh, an indicator of their performance. How about we actually get them to perform? Wow, there's an idea. And uh, see what happens. So anyway, that, I think this could be a good use of that story. Oh, completely. Because there's often upstart challenges in a market. Yes. Yeah, and people right. just dismiss them. <laughs> yeah. These guys know nothing about finance. They're not going to make an impact. Yeah. And BlackBerry. Yeah, this iPhone thing. Yeah. Yeah, what to sell that? a few hundred thousand. Never. Yeah, no keyboard. Yeah. It won't work. <laughs> and, and, of course, then you can tell the Cliff Young story and say, yeah, everyone underestimated Cliff. Yeah. And he... I think one of the things that... Um, is going to be a challenge for this story is that it's an, it's an essentially an Australian story. And I wonder whether that puts it uh, behind a little bit from an international perspective. What do you think? I don't know about the, I don't know if I know the answer to that, but I've just wondered, you know, and a potato farmer from Australia, from a little country town out of Victoria, is that, uh, or is it, is it just so basic and, and, you know, sort of, it, it's it's those basic tropes of of the the, the little guy winning against uh, all the odds that um, you know it surpasses the fact that it's based out of Australia. So I'll start by saying I would really love to get feedback from listeners about that, uh, listeners from overseas, whether it works, because I suspect that it does work. Yeah, uh, because it is. Uh, you, you don't have to know much about Australia, but it works particularly well in Australia because most Australians 
have some awareness of Cliff Young and if they weren't around when he did it, they, 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 they're likely to have seen footage of him. Yes, exactly. And um, they know Westfield and because that's America knows Westfield as well. So, you know, so there's some things that are, uh, got a little bit of um, recognition, if you like. So, and ultra marathons, most, most people have not heard about that. Cool. Um, I'm jumping around a little bit, but uh, we should go back and talk about, you know, what, what could we do to make this story even better, right? Uh, is there anything that sort of jumps out for you? You'd think, yep, I think if I retold it, I would, I would tweak this element of it. Well, I think the, uh, one of the things I like about the story is that if you only had a very short time to tell it, you could tell a pretty short version of it. Right. So it's it, uh, that story for me is uh, pretty compressible. Yes. And it's it also is. expandable you know, because there's so much more. It is, yeah. There's a lot of detail. Actually, I, I reckon that's one of the nice elements of that telling is that there were a couple of times where you more or less put things in parentheses as just additional extra bits. Like you said something like... Um, um, you know, there was this race from, from, from Sydney to Melbourne, um, you know, Westfield ran this. Actually, they did it for 10 years. You know, just that extra little bit of information kind of sort of shows that the teller has a depth of knowledge about that event. You know, they're, they're holding something back. Then You know, they're potentially holding something back. I think it's actually a, a quite a nice uh, feature of, that, of, of storytelling, any sort of storytelling. You're not just telling that one story. You know that there's more to tell. I think yeah. that's cool. Yeah, and, and in different, different situations, you would have, you might expand that a little bit. Yeah, uh, exactly, and, if, if, if that was important. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, I... I think one of the things I would have liked, you know, even, I think it was there, but maybe it could have been even stronger, more strongly put. And that is just that contrast between the strong beliefs they had about how you had to run an ultramarathon versus what Cliff Young accidentally discovered. Yeah, so saying something like, and the other runners got up, at the normal time because that's what they believed was the thing to do and reinforcing the point. That, you know, contrast I think is really quite important, you know, to, to build that up. So that could be one thing we could do to, to, to make, make that, that story. Better. That was, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good telling. Um, yeah. So anyway, let's, let's talk about the business applications. Um, where would we, you know, apply this story? We've already talked about the fact that, you know, underestimating someone just based on their look and feel uh, is a is a bad idea. Um, but where else? Where else could we use this story? Uh, being limited by your beliefs. Yes, yes, absolutely. Okay. And so those runners believed something, and that limited their performance. Yeah. Cliff didn't believe that, and it it freed him to do it a completely different way. Now. In this time of the pandemic, we're getting a little, some of these beliefs broken. One of the big banks here in Australia did a study uh, of one of their call centres on whether, this is a couple of years ago, did a study on whether they could uh, allow their call centre staff to work from home. And the conclusion of this study was it will cost $30 million and take a year to implement. 
uh, from people to work from home. So they scotched it. They went, no, nah, we won't be doing that. Too hard. Well, of course, what happened? Pandemic COVID-19. happened. Yep. Two weeks it took them to get everyone. I bet it didn't cost them $30 million either. It'd be pressed hard to spend $30 million in two weeks. So, you know, it just shows you that a whole bunch of myths just get broken when uh, you're under a certain sort of pressure to get something done. In some ways, that's what Cliff was up against, you know, that he, he had to get something done. You know, he accidentally fell into, a, you know, an insight, you know, just came out of left field for him and he just kept pressing it to the point of winning. I think it's fabulous. Yeah, so what what was the Gary, Gary, was the Gary Klein quote? Insight is an unexpected... Yeah, it's when you unexpectedly come to a, a better story. So yep. uh, I think that's what happens. Um, what else? What else can we use it for? I think, uh, well, purpose, isn't it? Sort of having that strong purpose. I think that's part. And for him, you know, he had that. No, does that come out in the story? Do you think? So? No, not in the telling. It, it, I didn't. I didn't really uh, cover that in that telling, because one of the the, the key parts of this Cliff Young legend in, in that race is that he wasn't doing it for the money. He just wanted to see if he could do it. Yeah. And, and he'd already made an agreement with one, one of the other runners that if either, either of them won the race, they would split the money. And there was quite a, uh, well, there was moments of anxiety straight after the, after the check was presented because Cliff started giving the money away. He gave the money away to some of the other runners, not all of it. He gave away $4,000 before the other runner you know, that he had the, the deal with said, Hey dude, <laughs> half of that's mine. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> So instead of getting five grand, uh, poor old Joe record only got three. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, you'd have to, you have to retell it with that element in it. Yeah. Yeah. But it would, it is a very good example of a a purpose, intrinsic motivation versus extrinsic. Yes. Yeah. Good. Okay. Anything else, anything else we can add to it in terms of how you would use this story? Yes. What the obvious one, conventional wisdom. Be careful who you listen to. And who you believe. Yeah, everyone told him, you know, conventional wisdom, this is how you do it. Yeah. Um, it sort of brings this, this story also just brings up that, you know, sort of perennial problem of, or potential problem of using sports stories in business, organi- you know, sort of organisational te- uh, storytelling, primarily because, you know, sometimes you can lose a big part of your audience um, if you continue to tell another sports anecdote. Right. I've seen this happen, you know, uh, where it's usually blokes uh, who uh, have a particular interest in football, uh, for example, uh, telling football stories. And you can almost see half the room sort of sliding under the table, uh, you know, without any interest at all in what they're saying. But the nice thing about this is it's a running story. So it's, you know, it's a little bit different than just a, a typical uh, sports story. So. It's something to, to keep in mind, right? For sure. Be, yeah. be careful about sports stories and particularly sports that are male dominated. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, well, what do, what do you reckon? Shall we um, give this a, a score? No, we're not, we're not done with business points. Yeah, really? You got another business point? Um, yeah, uh, which is that it was an unexpected innovation. So uh, there's a, a point about innovation here. 
innovation can come from accidents and yes, often uh, does often does uh, the other one was that cliff young changed the game after this ultra marathon everybody changed the way they ran so everyone ran ultra marathons the way cliff did after yeah. after the event so so transforming the way people think about or the the, the way people do something come, can come from a really unlikely source you know one of the it would be a not a bad um setup for you know like a session on innovation where you sort of just start by saying to everyone okay so what are the big assumptions that we make about our business right um you know because today we're going to you know see what we can do to change those assumptions but let me just give you an example of what can happen if you change those assumptions and you tell the cliff young story um I think that, you know, that could be a nice way to, to kick off something like that. Even if you had a little bit of footage of him shuffling along the Hume Highway, you know, uh, on his way yep. to Melbourne. I think that would be a, a nice setup. In fact, one of our colleagues, uh, Doug Keeley, um, he's a partner up in Toronto. He does these recountings of various, you know, events by showing the video of it. We should show him the, the Cliff Young video. He'd love it. Yeah. Um, so Doug does things like uh, Roger, Roger Bannister and the four minute mile and thing, you know, that sort of, that sort of thing. Yeah. And what you've just said there opens up a whole new raft of business points for that story. Change management. Yeah. What's the business point there? So when you're trying to change something, uh, people will, will have fixed beliefs and they'll keep doing them. In fact, I'm going to step back. There's a, a, I call it the lamb shank story, the story about we've always done it this way. Oh, yes, yes. And, um, and so this is an example of we've always done it this way. There's, you know, you have to keep doing it this way. And if you, yeah, and, and once it was realized that, oh, actually, that's a false assumption. So in a change management application, you could you get people to, as you've said, think about the assumptions that they're making that are, that are causing to, to make decisions and do things in particular ways and perhaps think about an alternative way. How would Cliff Young do this? Let's Cliff Young this. Yeah. yeah. Let's give this a bit of cliffing. We should stop there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's, are we, am I okay, okay to do a, a rating? Yep, yep, I'm, I'm done. You're done, okay. Um, uh, you know, I reckon I give this an eight. I reckon it's a, it's a cracking story. Like you say, it's expandable and collapsible. And, and it's unusual, you know. It's, it's out of the ordinary. I reckon if I had a big slide with a picture of Cliff Young behind me as I told this story, people would get it straight away, you know, and it would be a, a really impactful story. What about you? What are you reckon? Yeah, I'm getting, giving it an eight. I, I spent a lot of time uh, researching and reading to get to the truth of this story. Right, yes. Because there was a lot of hype and a lot of things that people said that were not true. And I loved it. It was a, it was a fun little journey. Uh, and I'll be, I do use it and I will continue to use it. That's good. Excellent. Well, thanks for introducing me to that one. I hadn't heard that story. So, well, I knew about it, but I hadn't thought of it as a story to use in a business context. So that's fantastic. 
Okay, anything else we need to um, share with our audience before we head off? Just a reminder that uh, our public workshops, the week of June 8th, they're commencing. So if you're interested, check out our website and that'll have all the details. Terrific. Well, guys, thanks again for listening to Anecdotally Speaking. And uh, yeah, definitely tune in next week where we've got another episode for you on how to put stories to work. Bye for now.